the podcast itself was beautifully described by one of my clients about a month ago who came in and said, yeah, I've been listening to the podcast and I think it's basically the space that you have where you get to tell us everything you've always wanted to say, but we've been asleep on the couch. Hello and welcome to Therapy Unwound. It is the space that is here for all of us to take a deep dive into the wonderful world of therapeutics. But as you might be able to tell, I am not the host, Jenny Walker. (laughs) In fact, I am Sophie Brown, who is today interviewing our host, Jenny Walker. In a very special episode of Therapy Unwound, we are doing a QA and a with Jenny. Say hello, Jenny. Hello. (laughs) It's so good to be here on the other side of the desk. Yeah, how are you feeling? Nervous. Oh, no, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm interviewing the professional. The nerves are over this end. Oh, um, so before we get started, I would just like to do the homework that Jenny normally does or the housework that Jenny normally does, which is say thank you very much for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate all of your support um, and the support that we get uh, online over on Instagram, uh, on our YouTube channel, on our Spotify channel, all the people that download and support the podcast and the very generous people that support the podcast on the Ko-Fi page as well. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening. And if you are only here for Jenny, I can apologise for the (laughs) intro and reassure you that she is on her way. (laughs) I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) Um, So this is something that we talked about for a while, but it's really a chance to pick the brain of Jenny Walker, who, as I'm sure most of you all know, founded Cornerstone Therapies Studios in Godalming 17 and a half years ago. I know, it's kind of like a few lifetimes ago, hey? That's a really long time. Yeah. To be in a little town being so incredibly successful and building up such a brilliant, dedicated, loyal client base who probably listening to this. <laughs> yeah, my clients, I have to say, first of all, I wouldn't be here without like the tremendous support and understanding and amazing relationships that I have with them actually they're an amazing group of people my clients and um they've followed me blindly trusted me completely and I just really want to take some time and say thank you to all of them it's been amazing well this is their opportunity to find out a little bit more about I you know. <laughs> it's and kind I of think, like oh yeah, exactly. At what level are we going to on the questions here? <laughs> What's your inside leg measurement? Um, no, but one thing of note that I know many regular podcast listeners will already know, but recently Jenny has just completed her MSc. Yeah. And at the same time started and maintained a podcast. Yeah. So it's been quite a busy year. For I you? I wouldn't recommend doing both of them at the same time. Uh, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a journey. Yeah. I can, ima- I can only yeah. imagine. I mean, um, for full disclosure, I have been working with Jen for a few months now, so I've seen it in action. And she has that quite irritating ability to make things look really easy. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I run a business that's, you know, been going for nearly 18 years and I'm just doing my master's and I'm just launching a podcast all at the same time. Oh, in the middle of a global pandemic. Oh, yeah. Don't forget the <laughs> pandemic. The one that we always seem to forget to, to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of not been the biggest thing going on in your life this year, really. No, it hasn't. It's been quite um, an adventure 
this year. And I know it's been really hard for a lot of people out there with the pandemic, but it definitely forced me in lockdown one. So we're talking about just over a year ago now to really sit down and consolidate where we wanted to go mm. in the next kind of like seven years, I think. And the podcast was definitely part something that came out of not just the masters, but also the pandemic and allowing some breath within therapy. It's mm. like, it was a really good reflection point of what therapy should be in a time of chaos and trauma. And that's actually as therapists where we should be. That's yeah. where that's the space we need to step into. So Amazing. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't want you answering answering any more questions preemptively. <laughs> so we will start. I will tell you that these questions are a selection of ones that have come in by Instagram. We did a little poll on our stories very recently. They're things that clients have wanted to know for a long time. And then some questions that I have wanted to know for a long Yay, time. Yay, I like that mix. That's <laughs> awesome. And obviously, Jenny, at any point, if there's anything you're uncomfortable with, um, just lie. Yeah, I will, <laughs> through my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we've kind of started on this one already, but my first question for you is, is what really motivated you to start Therapy Unwound as a podcast and a content platform? The podcast itself was beautifully described by one of my clients about a month ago who came in and said, yeah, I've been listening to the podcast and I think it's basically the space that you have where you get to tell us everything you've always wanted to say, but we've been asleep on the couch. <laughs> and I think it was definitely that point where there is a lot of things that go behind therapy. There's a lot of research, understanding, learning. It's not just um, putting your hands on somebody and hoping for the best. There's a lot of um, training, experience, tacit knowledge that goes behind that. And I think as therapists, we can hold on to that too selfishly. And I would like people to get more involved um, with their own therapy and to give them autonomy over the knowledge that they have for their own bodies. And the podcast really gives us that space to do it. Um, therapy Unwound as a platform for other people to come in on board with was really, we have an amazing professional recording studio here and to give therapists a platform to come in book in with the team here and get their voices heard as well and start their own podcasts and start their own amazing journeys and that kind of business was just a joy to offer as well so yeah so um you loosely touched on the fact that your clients are already kind of feeding back to you but what have you found uh, to be the reaction to the podcast and and where has that come from has that come from cornerstone clients has that come from other therapists has it come from people on the street <laughs> people on the street yeah. um it's been an interesting mix i have some clients who just really don't want to listen to it because they want to keep their time in in the therapy room just that kind of like magical space um which is brilliant but yeah a lot of clients have been saying oh, it's so good what are you doing next week <laughs> and then i have to kind of like think about what my diary is saying because um, yeah, we, we have quite a long list of podcasts that we're doing at the moment and it's it's great to share. People have been really excited about it. They've been excited about hearing opinions. The bookery's done really well. What's really surprised me the most is on sort of random evenings, I'll get messages from clients with photos of their living room with the new bookery book of the month mm. that they're reading along with us. Um, and I know James Clear's Atomic Habits is coming up next week. and yeah, I've had a lot of clients talk about that. I was surprised with how 
deep we can get with the podcast and how much people want to learn. I was surprised at the depth of that, which I love. I just love that. I never thought evidence-based practice and um, abstract reading of scientific papers would be a thing, but apparently it is. (laughs) (laughs) I think that just shows the impact that you've had on your clients, though, that they they are so impressed by what you're doing that they want to learn about it for themselves rather than just, um, you know, have a passive experience. They really want to get involved. Yeah. Um, do you think you have learnt much from the process of setting up a podcast, creating a podcast and having that feedback? Has it been a, a kind of educational thing for you as well? Massive. I mean, I learn each week. Jeremy teaches me each week not to put coffee te- cups down badly on tables whilst we're recording and watching my clicks but that's the obvious bit behind that I learn through him how sound works and how communication works how to honor our listeners time he's very good with the edits and keeping us to the points and keeping us on track and I think that's that's been a joy actually to say well we're doing this for our listeners and we need to honor where they're coming from and what they're doing and I've heard from a lot of people who have been reporting back where they're listening to is they actually listen to this in the car a lot mm. and on their commute. And um, that's usually around about 40 to 50 minutes. So Jeremy's been really um, great at keeping us to task on that. And I love that. Um, I've also really enjoyed learning how to communicate some really hard science um, in ways that are easy to listen to that you can pick up whilst you're making the tea doing the washing up whatever and um yeah through yourself as well with kind of like how are we getting it out there you know what are we doing why are we doing it and keeping it really simple and so for me who can often be way too much in my head far too analytical far too processy it's been a really good lesson for all of that oh great yeah oh that's great now I'm going to bring it back. So when you launched the Therapy Unwound um, podcast, it started with a series on anxiety. Mm. And in those podcasts, you said roughly 75% of your clients are coming into this room with anxiety as as part of their pain or mental pain or kind of what they're bringing to the bed. Have you seen that change? And specifically, I'm asking, have you seen that change in 2020? Is Is your practice in the studio and with your clients now kind of different to how it was in life before the pandemic life before 2020 at cornstone was very much um centered around pain management so people would come in with you know chronic pain and we would sort it out and be fine and great but i've really had to dig deep in my knowledge of how to treat trauma i mean there is no other way of saying what 2020 was it was a traumatic year and coming into 2021 we're now in June July and I think for me really having to hone my skills with myofascial release and allowing a very gentle form I say gentle in inverted commas because fascia work is not always gentle (laughs) I can be I can release fascia and and do all of that. But actually for the person receiving that, that can feel like a whirlwind going off. You know, you can release scars and kind of like bubbles of kind of like emotional anxiety can come up and you need to be able to help your clients through that. And I think it's the more delicate work that I've had to become much more proficient with. And actually it's the work I've always enjoyed. And um, it's been a pleasure to really get my head into the books again, learn about it and um, practice it on the couch. <laughs> 
So yeah, but it's been it's been incredibly different. And yeah, that emotional work has come up a lot more. Yeah, I can only imagine. I think um certainly in in the time that I've known you, that mm. has definitely been a focus of Cornerstone is actually the emotional well being of clients being the most transformative rather than physical for some for yeah, some people. Some and clients. I think that that's very true with the way that the body responds anyway. You can have somebody come in with, say, lower back pain. And often that is coupled with stomach issues mm. at the moment. Um, I've noticed that a lot in the last six months where they've had anxiety tummies, they've been feeling nauseous, couldn't eat, kind of really angsty and just not sleeping well. It's going into the back and really looking at how that psychosomatic, that mind-body relationship works and getting quite into that and realizing that physical pain can often be a mirror to um, emotional pain and that's where I, I know Gable Mate has a new Netflix movie out about trauma everybody's talking about it in the therapy world but his book When the Body Says No um, is a foundational read and it's been in the catalogue for Cornerstone for years but yeah he's he's very much on that like pathway so yeah so could you talk us through the process then of I'm a brand new client mm-hmm. and I'm walking into Cornerstone to meet Jenny Walker for the first time. <laughs> Can you talk us through your process of how you make those assessments, come up with a treatment plan and then how that treatment kind of really takes shape for you as a, as a therapist? Yeah. So when people come to Cornerstone, they either have no idea of who I am or they're expecting kind of like Ginny Weasley with a magic wand. And um I I love the fact that there's never really anything in between. When a client comes to me, usually there's quite a backlog of story. I think the average pain um, felt in the room is eight years worth of pain experience before they come to Cornerstone, which is sometimes more, sometimes less, but that's where we usually stack. And actually, the first thing we do is no matter whether you've had massage body work before or not, we sit down for half an hour, 45 minutes, and we talk. And it's a time for clients to tell me about their past experiences, their pain patterns, how they're feeling, what they're eating, medication, surgery background, if they've got any scans that we can share that. And the first session is actually always 90 minutes. Sometimes that's all talk, but usually it's kind of like half split between kind of like introducing each other and then hands-on work, which is lovely. And then in all honesty, it takes a good four sessions with that client for their body to trust my hands. Mm. And that's a beautiful process, I think. There isn't much experience of fascia release and body work and especially the multidisciplinary stance that I have. So we use hot stones, we use massage, we use stretch, we use a lot of kind of like passive work which is me doing the work and then clients hopefully relaxing and um, a lot of trigger point work so there's a lot in there and over the first four sessions I get kind of a grip on what what we're dealing with and then the treatment plans usually come out through that it's quite an organic process Um, I would love to sit down and say yeah we follow a complete protocol and we're able to kind of like map this out from stage one but bodies aren't like that I think we're much more complex and um, yeah, it's much more enjoyable to take a slower approach some, sometimes, although frustrating for clients maybe. Yes, but then having personally experienced a massage, 
actually sometimes being told you need a few more appointments is no bad thing <laughs> yeah it's not a hardship really no. I, I'm a great enabler for that yeah. <laughs> So with everything that you have learned through your many, many years of hands-on experience and now your years as a master's student and with all of the extra learning and reading that you're doing Mm. for Therapy Unwound, oh, that's a lot of work. What advice do you think you could dispense that people should be doing away from the therapy bed in their own homes, in their own lives to increase their well-being or further their progress or kind of control that pain? Put your phone down. That was very quick. <laughs> yeah, just put your phone down. I think the the thing that I am aware of, I, I so I started therapy, I started training therapy in 1999 when we were just getting scripts with the emails. And you could get away with the fact that, oh, Google lost my email rather than not admitting that you'd actually forgotten to send it. <laughs> and it was before iPods and we were writing all our client notes by hand and you know, there was a. I have lived through a professional life of people having no digital input and now having complete, and especially after the pandemic or through the pandemic, I should say, with the amount of Zooms, with the amount of just constant screen time. Um, I I would say that yeah, I love gadgetry. <laughs> the best part of uh, running therapy unwound is the amount of gear we're allowed to buy. Um, but yeah, it's, I would say get off your phone. Okay, great. Yeah, just, just that. <laughs> and so in a world where we've put our phones down, mm. is it then kind of more time outdoors and focusing on what you, what your body's doing and what goes into your body? Yeah. I think once you put digital format down and start, it's very hard when I, when I say you need to listen to your body, your body has its own voice. And we just have forgotten how to listen. And as soon as you start listening, it's very loud and it's quite basic. It's usually, I'm in pain, I'm hungry, I'm tired and I need water. And it will take a while for you to kind of like get through the basics. And then you start kind of going, oh, okay. Well, every time I'm stressed, my left shoulder hurts. And I now know that if my left shoulder hurts, I'm not safe. So my body is telling me before my conscious brain is that I need to get out of here. I need to look after myself. Personally, for me, the way that I handle that is um, I have page blockers on my computer. So I literally pay an app to block pages for certain days, hours, and I'm just not allowed on them. And on Instagram over the weekends, I tend to uninstall it from my phone. So it's not even a habit. Yeah, that's very wise advice, I think. Very wise advice. So then I'm going to ask you, as a therapist, what does the therapist do to look after herself? (laughs) A lot of therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you prioritise kind of massage therapy for yourself to keep your body in in fighting fit shape? I'm Because I'm a somatic worker, I give priority to both body and mind. So Mm -hmm. I'm with my psychotherapist, Joe, every Monday at 10. So if you can try and get in touch, don't bother between 10 and 11 on a Monday morning because I'll be with her in her cabin kind of like doing the head work and I have Sylvie um, who's over in Farnham and she she's phenomenal she keeps me physically in shape and she's a great massage therapist so I'm with her every two weeks and when she's not on maternity leave I'm with Alice who's my personal trainer so Alice Turrell 
who's brilliant and keeps me fit. So yeah, I, I spend a good amount of time looking after me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how this all remains sustainable. Absolutely. It's the only way it remains sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was going to ask you to look into your crystal ball to the future mm. of massage therapy on as a whole, yeah. which I realise is a big ask, but then more that was my dissertation. <laughs> yeah, I know that's true. <laughs> so she does know the answer, <laughs> but also um, as as a as a look at cornerstone. Yeah, where do you think, or how do you think, the next three years will look for you and your clients? I think that's a really interesting question, considering the MSC. Mm. You read it, <laughs> <laughs> so she's got sneaky background info on this one. Um. Massage therapy in the UK, I don't, fe- I don't feel after doing nine months of research, as it stands now, will ever be a part of the healthcare industry. So I don't think we will, in my generation, in my lifetime, I won't see that in the NHS. We have uh, nice and different care pathways. We have care protocols and we have different uh stakeholders and i don't feel that the uk is supportive for scientific research into massage to allow us to be part of that industry i think for me what's been really interesting is coming away from massage therapy kind of into a well not kind of completely into a way of treating my clients with integrative physical rehab therapy Mm. and that's where I would say we stack right now and I would want to move away from the very loaded word of massage I've been at too many parties where you know the as soon as you say you're a massage therapist the links with prostitution or kind of like um oh you must pick up a load of guys from there you know it's like it's a really annoying um it's unprofessional it's demeaning and I think sadly very sadly just the word massage is just a loaded Mm. point of contention right now I I agree I think um I mean as long as as well as all your other descriptive words also very sexist to assume that because whilst it is largely a female industry yeah 98 percent yeah but you know there's not there's there's a lot of there's a lot going on there yeah there's a huge amount and um there's a lot of issues I would I think the saddest thing that came out of the MSC, which I wasn't able to go down because that's a whole PhD in itself, is the fact that massage therapy is primarily female led and women in academia aren't often um, financially backed Mm. in our profession. (laughs) We had a we had a phenomenal university over in Miami um, department called the Institute of Touch that was um, headed up with Tiffany Field and sadly that's been kind of like amalgamated into pediatrics over there so we don't have even the Miami Institute anymore giving us the research and I really sadly feel that if we had more men in the profession maybe academia would give us that backing to say yeah we can put some money behind this to see what's happening. So if I was to approach you as a therapist who had trained in massage but was looking to move into a similar space to you where you mm. are able to treat clients as more um, with more of a kind of rehab yeah. um, program in mind, what would your advice be? 
Oh, okay. So first, well, the first thing to do is find your your passion. Mine happens to be anatomy mm-hmm. and fascia. And I was able to slam those together. And um, so for me, I think functional anatomy with Julian Baker, the fascia hub, and also the School of Bodywork down in Exeter are the first three Instagram accounts you need to go out and follow and go down the rabbit hole with them. So yeah, those would be my first three top tips. There we go. Yeah. Thanks very much. Right, to bring it back to the Therapy on One podcast, yeah. I would like to know your absolute dream guest. Gil Headley. Oh, look how quickly she answered that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Gil Headley, if you're listening, it'd be great to have you on. <laughs> so what what would you like to speak to Gil about? So Gil is a phenomenal anatomist in his own right. He's working over in Colorado at the moment um, and he specialises in dissection. And he taught me um, up at St Andrews on some summer schools. He, in- uh, I was introduced to him by Julian Baker, who's from Functional Anatomy. And I would just really love to just allow his voice to be heard by um, clients and people who are interested in um, massage, anatomy and what we do here. I think what he has to offer is just simply divine. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'd like to point out that quite a few people when said, "What? who's your dream guest? They would have gone down the kind of like Brad Pitt route or <laughs> you know we could have had some A-listers on the way but no Gil and his knowledge of the anatomy oh yeah Guess I think what, what that in fact that comment just brings to mind I was in London oh years ago now and Leon Chato who sadly passed away a couple of years ago um he has been he was a naturopath he was very heavily involved with journals of body work. And he really front-ended a lot of um, publication for scientific research for us. And I had three days with him in Harley Street with um, a very small group of learners on fascia. And I have to say, I was more nervous on meeting him than anybody I could possibly yeah. imagine. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a very kind of niche type of celebrity, isn't it, I guess? And yeah. And if it's the original influencer because they're academic influencers rather than social media. Yeah, and what I love about them is that they've all come from their own personal practice. Mm. So they've all worked as therapists. So they come to it with such a fresh kind of like, we. how do we put this into practice? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and is that something that you find frequently within the industry that actually everybody has practiced what they preach and they've they've come to their kind of, their own niche through the years of learning and practical um, application, the same as you? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what we were touching on um, in a couple of podcasts actually ago. And the fact that vocational training and apprenticeships are so needed mm. within our practice. Um, if If I was to ever teach I think it would have to be on a part-time basis with with any student because they would have to be going away and implementing it and coming back and then I think that's been the the reason that Cornerstone Therapies has been so successful it's it I have learned with my clients and there is always that kind of like going away to learn bring it back seeing how it's applied going away and there's 
that wonderful in and out. There's, um, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so, if you're able to share a little bit, yeah, what is the therapy unwound plan for the rest of the year? Are there topics that you'd like to cover? Are there things that the clients and listeners have been asking for that you've got up your sleeve? Yeah, it's going to be fun over the next um, few weeks. I'm actually looking out the window and just seeing rain pouring down and thinking, well, it's going to be a wet series of Mm. summer podcasts, actually. Um, Sadly. The podcasts I'm really looking forward to sharing over the next few months are based around trauma and pain and also fascia. So our three kind of like mainstays here at the treatment room. And therefore... They are for therapists, so if you are a therapist who wants to learn more, feel free to join us and run with it. But it's definitely for people who are not therapists who want to learn more. So there are a lot of words that we use within therapy, like collagen and elastin and ground substance. And it means an awful lot to me, but I need to, I don't even, I don't need to. I would really like to share that in a way that's accessible to to people who want to want to learn more. And what should clients not be doing if they are looking to further their progress made on the treatment bed or increase their well-being? I think if you want to increase your well-being, I think there is the question that comes to mind first and what I would always work with with new clients is how far do you want to go down the discovery path um yeah and it's a beautiful journey you end up with any kind of work that if you start working on your body you'll end up working on your mind and if you work on your mind you'll end up working on your body but either way you're going to change your life so you need to be incredibly clear with the fact that once you start Life is going to change. And I would say if you want to help yourself more as you go down that journey, A, be very kind to yourself because it's not going to all be pleasant. Um, I would do some general reflection work, so journaling, and also learning then how to communicate to that to those around you who may not understand what why are you doing it you know why are you suddenly going to see a therapist each week why are you you know you've only got a few headaches why are you doing this and i would i would really encourage people not to stay silent and allow that dialogue to come out naturally allow that to be part of the be part of the trip you know and um don't keep quiet quiet about it because it can be very confusing for people around you once you start changing, once you start wanting to change your your life, your boundaries, your vision, your job, how your how your relationships look, all of this is great for you. But you need to be able to communicate that in a very healthy manner to those around you. So, yeah, be very kind to yourself, but be very kind to those people around you as well. Amazing. And you you said a word there, boundaries. Yeah, that I love, and I know. <laughs> How brilliant you are at your boundaries. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about boundaries that you set within your therapy work mm-hmm. and then if within your personal life as well to give others some inspiration for setting their own? 
Um, I'm going to preface this with I do I love boundaries, but I get them wrong as much as the next person. So sometimes they can be too harsh, um, and sometimes they can be too soft. So I preface that with anybody who's been on the receiving end of either, I apologise. <laughs> um, boundaries are a really safe way of living in my personal experience. And the best way I can describe them is by nicking a explanation from Cloud and Townsend, who wrote the book Boundaries. And they allow you to imagine your life as a garden with a fence around it and a house. And only you know what that will look like to you. And you are allowed to choose where people come to you within that dwelling. So for me, I have a house right in the middle of a big garden with a picket fence around it and a couple of gates. And I know where (laughs) I want people to be outside the gate, inside the gate, in the garden, drinking sundowners on the porch, in the house, in the attic. You know, not even I go in the attic. You position them within the dialogue that you're having in that space. And it allows no to become a full sentence. It becomes yes to be a full sentence. And it keeps you mentally and physically incredibly safe within your daily routines. Um, I can't advocate for them enough. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's such an eloquent way of describing them. Do you think that having such um, strong boundaries and good boundaries has allowed you to achieve everything you've achieved in the last year? I think so, yeah. I think with um, my professional boundaries here in the treatment room, there is definitely an ease to them but we definitely start that gate is definitely planted and i i find that people who are not happy or haven't worked with boundaries before that can be quite a an alarming thing for some people it's like oh you mean i can, i share everything about me as a client but i'm not getting that from you as a therapist it's like absolutely not and i think that's a, a very appropriate place to be um But yeah, if people haven't been part of that boundary speak before, it can be a bit daunting, actually. Mm. It can be kind of like, it can come across as a bit offish. But I think it's once you get into it, you realise that everybody is allowed in, everybody's allowed out. And people who come in don't have to remain in. And yeah, I think it's a great way of, yeah, allowing you to have a very fulfilled life. And for me, setting a good boundary means that I'm accountable to it. So yeah. when I say, yes, I can do something, that means I can do it. Yeah. And it's very clear. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. I think um, I think you're, you're touching there on therapy isn't always a two-way conversation. No. So not. the client has got to download things and share things with you that aren't shared the other way. Yeah. Has that has that been difficult for you to implement and teach clients or has that just always been the way? When you come into Cornerstone Therapies, it's about you. It's not about me at all. And um, the whole point of being in the room with me is to feel better. Hearing about my stuff is not going to enable you to do that. So actually hearing from me and hearing my life story is... It's not appropriate on any level, but mainly because it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. There we have it. Um, 
And that leads on very nicely, actually, to one of my very first questions that I had for you, yeah. which was, how do you do this job and do this learning and leave it here and not take it home with you? Because you really do meet some clients when they're in real physical pain, real mental pain. Is that tough? Do you, Is it a challenge to leave it in the studio and, and not take it home and not to, um, you know, to take on those emotions and feelings yourself? I don't think the practice of state change, thank you Gil Headley for teaching it to me, is taught enough in therapy. Um, when you're in the dissection lab, it's very cold, it's quite slippy and it's very yellow. <laughs> so those three things are the kind of like the groundwork of your senses usually being on overload. So what Gil taught us to do was look at a lot of green after we get out we make sure we have something warm. I, I don't think I've ever had as much hot chocolate as I did when I was in lab. Um, also, I for me, my auditory sense needs to be changed after lab. And so we were blessed to be in St. Andrews a lot. So I went to the, to the sea and listened to the sea and got my hands in sand and grit. All my senses got changed in that way. And then I was able to go for dinner as if nothing had happened. And we hadn't had eight hours in, in lab. And that for me was the groundbreaking moment of being able to allow the trauma work to happen with my clients in the treatment room. Trauma, hearing about trauma is, is traumatic. Um, but I think the ability to learn how to not see too many people a day. So if I have a, a big trauma work day, I'll maybe only see three clients and that's absolutely fine. Um, I'll walk home by the river. So we we work by the river here um, and I'll make sure my hands are in compost. So I do a lot of gardening in my little mm. pots and um, make sure that my hands are changed. You'll often see me uh, dragging a hand across a um, hedge while I'm walking and making sure my hands are feeling something else. So I think for me, learning how to leave it in the treatment room was a lot to do about what we sent we take on in a sensory format and by the time I'm home I'm done I'm over I can have an all life <laughs> that's so brilliant and I think that's something I mean whilst we won't all have the shared experience of being in a lab or being mm. here and working with um with clients in the way you do I think actually that's such solid advice for all of us to take oh, home with sure, us yeah if you're really struggling with something mm. change what your senses are seeing yeah. feeling you know, wearing. Yeah. Um, that's, that's brilliant. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah. I think even if you're a mum at home and, you know, you, you're just overloaded by the end of the day with toddlers and the sound of toddlers, if silence is actually too much, try and find some lo-fi or some classic or some, you know, really chilled out beats and get them in your ear pods as soon as they're in, in bed. So you've got something else in your ears. Yeah. Um, make sure you're listening to adult voices. So maybe <laughs> audiobooks, maybe a thing. And uh, instead of kind of like having kind of like that plasticky kind of like touch under your hands with bottles and children's toys and stuff, maybe get, get some, um, get into fabrics. So mm. make sure you're touching a lot of different things and, and desensitizing them for the day because your time in the evening after looking over those little ones, that allows you to do it the next day. So make sure you're recharging in the best way you can. <laughs> Fantastic advice.
Right. Well, that was our last question. Thank you so much for answering those so honestly. I think um, there's some real nuggets there that (laughs) can apply to life even way outside of the therapeutic world and the cornerstone and therapy unwound world. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) <laughs> as a guest on your own podcast know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of great I'll be honest in. guys it was quite quite an easy booking <laughs> <laughs> yeah this one wasn't hard hey <laughs> no it's been an absolute Thank pleasure you, to have you on the other side of the mic and I know um, I know from the number of people that stopped me in the street talk mm. to me about enjoying uh, your content and your blogs and your newsletters that um People are really benefiting from what you're doing on the podcast. So thank you very much for sharing everything that you know with us. Total pleasure, as always. If you have enjoyed this episode, please um, review it. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. The podcasts are out every Friday. Um, And I very much look forward to hearing the next one. Thank you. It's going to be our bookery book of the month. Hey, can't wait. Thanks very much. Take care. Take care. See you soon. (laughs) 